It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. News team, assemble! It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Sooner Scoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. Oh, right, welcome back. It is the Unofficial 40 Podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com Podcast. And uh, I'll start off with an apology uh, for last week. Uh, that was uh, on me, even though... Uh, I was dying in my bed uh, slightly with COVID. Um, just a rough week last week for everybody. Not Josh's fault at all. He deserves to go on a vacation. Uh, so put, just pile it all on me. But we're back again this week, ready to uh, move forward. And uh, it's National Signing Day, which doesn't mean shit anymore. Uh, at least uh, not in Oklahoma. There's a few few guys out there uh, that are signing, but you know it just never really materialized for Oklahoma to have anyone uh, jumping in on signing day and uh, look they did their work early I, I think you got to respect that as a, a fan base that the coaches uh, you know got their work done got it done early and uh, really a lot of uh, you know a lot more effort Josh I think goes into kind of getting those PWOs those preferred walk-ons uh, once you have your class kind of intact than it does on on getting guys last minute to sign on the second signing day. Yeah, guys, and, and one of those that you have to give a lot of Oklahoma credit to, and I know people are going to get mad based on the last week, but Andy Bass, a preferred walk-on, ended up a number 10 overall athlete in the country uh, in the on-three rankings. So, like, that's the guy that they have convinced to walk on over a number of offers. So they've, I, I think that is, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I think that's one of the more notable differences is how much emphasis they clearly put on the preferred walk-on in, in under Brent Venables. Well, clearly, if he had a scholarship, he would have fallen dramatically in the rankings. So, yeah, uh, that's that all. That's all it took. That, <laughs> you could say the same. And well, it's he, probably not the same, but you could say the same for uh, Bergen Kaiser, the kid out of Edmond Santa Fe that they were able to get mm-hmm. as a preferred walk-on. Yeah, I mean, uh, and again, a guy that they they brought in in the summer, they worked him out. They knew they liked Bergen a lot, and. You know, in, he, he's got a three-star ranking with on three. He's the number 10 guy in the state of Oklahoma over a lot of guys that have, you know, major offers, power five offers in some cases. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, again, this is and, – and I want to take the heat for on three because I know that it, it's me. Like, guys, I'm the one out there telling all these guys that they have to fall. The reason Andy Bass and Bergen Kaiser did not – is their walk-ons? I forgot to put them in my notes that they should have dropped as OU commitments, and I apologize Bastard. Bastard. for missing that. That was a massive oversight in my attempt to screw OU's ranking. Yeah, look, I get it. I mean, people are going to be upset, and you know, when somebody like David Snow comes out and says uh, he's disappointed with the uh, you know a recruiting entity, fans are going to jump on it. And uh, I think you know, I, I I'm not going to waste time with people that don't understand that that's not us. 
uh, and that you know that that we suck. Uh, it's you know national analysts have to have their ability to rate players the way that they see them. They go to all the camps. They 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 you know all the national stuff that goes on. I mean, if you play out at IMG, a lot of those guys go by to see you. So. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, call Shannon Terry and demand that things get changed. You got to let the people that make those decisions evaluate and evaluate on their own terms. It's not for us to get in their process. With yeah, that said, and, it's entirely and, and bullshit. It's, oh, go ahead. <laughs> it's entirely bullshit. I don't know how anybody. We don't can have see. to agree with them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. That's like how it is, and I, I think that you know, certainly. Uh, People at the helm of On3 didn't help themselves with some of the stuff they said with, about David Stone a couple months ago, and it just added fuel to the fire when he dropped. So I think he's going to be a really good player. He's still going to be a uh, you know one of the more prized recruits from this recruiting class, and I think that uh, only time will tell. Like It's a good thing if On3 looks like idiots at the, ed- at the end of this because that probably means David Stone went on to win an Outland Trophy or something. Yeah, guys, there's... The people that are acting like this is a hard fact either way. Like, we don't know. We don't know. Of course we don't know. It is the best data you can put together over what you have. Like, This is all the information we have. This is what spits out. The, the only thing, like, you can think it's stupid. You can think it's wrong. Like, I don't have any problem with that. The only time I bristle is when it's like, oh, it's a conspiracy or there's some vendetta against David Stone. That doesn't exist. That that's not a real thing. No one is out there to get David Stone. Like if they did, I would have a problem with it because I have a good relationship with David Stone. Like I would stand up for him. That would be a different thing entirely, and I would call that out. That's not what this is. This is like Kerry just said. You have to let these guys rank, and in four years from now, we'll know if they're idiots. Call them out. Like that's fine. I got no problem. We'll call them out. Yeah. I just hate the yeah, hundred percent. But it's just one of those things where. It's not a it's not a conspiracy. There's no one walking around with their pom poms letting that dictate who they do and don't rank highly. I mean, we said it a million times. I mean, it it, it it's about your reputation. It's about you know um, how people view your information. Uh, if you're out there throwing shit against the wall all the time and, and seeing what sticks, then people are going to know. You know, you just kind of throw shit against the wall. I mean, but if you put your name behind something uh, and you're wrong. Uh, then you say you're wrong. Uh, you, you try and figure out what you did along the way to, to make it wrong. And it's the same way with recruiting analysts. I mean, they go through the same. Now, their stuff is a lot more subjective. It's not, you know, sourcing and things like that, but they, they're still putting their reputations on the line. So, um, you know, it's not my reputation. It's not Sooner Scoop's reputation. It's, it's on three and the people that have hired them. And you're just going to let, let it work out how it's going to work out. But, like... We're not upset with fans for coming after us or saying we work for a shitty company and that like we get it. Like you guys are gonna be upset. You have every right to be upset. Uh go on to the YouTube comments and you know, call on three trash. I mean, we're not gonna sit here and delete it and hide it from the world. Fans are upset about certain things and, and we get it. But like you said, you know, before we started the podcast, uh you know, Danny Okoye came up in the rankings. Uh he wasn't punished for being an Oklahoma commitment. He he did about as well a big a jump as anybody. Yeah, I mean, guys, and look at it, guys. He's number 78 in the country on on three. He's not inside the top 160 for anyone else. That That is, uh, again, and this is a guy that I, you know, and I know I sat down and talked with Cody Belair, one of our national guys, and I was like, we, we need to make a move here. This, this needs to happen because Danny, uh, guys, you know it. I've gone on and on about him for months now. 
he is a unique talent. And I, I think kind of he's almost the counter to David Stone, where David Stone's been at IMG. He's been well coached. We know like he comes in so much more polished and ready. He's been under the microscope way Danny more Okoye's, than that, yeah. yeah. Danny Okoye is a raw piece of clay that no one has really seen. I, I think I, I there can't be more than two or three recruiting media at any network that's seen Danny in person prior to that All-American game a few, uh, I guess, last month. So there is, there's just so much there. There's so much growth potential for him. And I, I just, I, I love that buy-in. And I think that's what people, and I, I get into this all the time. That's one of the things that people struggle to see. When rankings, it's not about who is the most productive high school player. Like, guys, we talk about it all the time. One of the most productive backs in the history of the state of Oklahoma is Brian Odom. Brian Odom washed out of Oklahoma in a year because he wasn't as talented as guys like Damon Parker and some of those guys that were in front of him. Or not Damon Parker, a little, little later. Um, I think Ronaldo works. Um, but, you know, th- it's not about that. It's how you project to the level you're headed to. And it's the same deal in the NFL draft. Like, the best college player isn't always the first pick. That's not the way that works. So that that's one of those things I think people struggle with it that a player and a prospect are two different things. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think it's a lot like, you know, you guys did the recruiting report yesterday. That's up now on YouTube. But you look at Foje, the the kid that's committed, uh, and all the stuff you're pointing out makes perfect sense. Like, I look at that kid, I'm like, man, this guy looks like a basketball player out there playing offensive line. Like, I can see a huge upside for that kid. Uh, but it doesn't mean that, you know, he's a five-star. It doesn't mean that every school in the country was out there recruiting him. What it what it shows me is that OU looked at a kid, sees a lot of development potential, uh, and, you know, he's a guy just looking at kids over the years. Like, that's what you look at is and say, okay, if that kid develops the right way, if he's in the weight room, if he takes it seriously, he could be an NFL guy. He could be a first-day, second-day NFL draft pick someday. Yeah, I mean, and again, he is. Like, you watch that dude move around, and he's he's way above the norms. Like, the, it, it, he is a high-end athlete that is still figuring out the game, still figuring out all the little intricacies. But And he's one of those guys, like, I go to camps all the time, and you'll see a guy that I know is talented. I know he's physically gifted, and he'll go against a guy that's much more – you know, well coached, well, you know, he's he spent a lot of time on the camp circuit and playing against elite competition. And he'll kind of whip the guy that I know is talented. And you're like, oh, he, you know, I can't believe you'd rank that guy above me. He's nobody. He's never had access to a strength program like you have. He's never had access to a, you know, a college level coach. Like, and, and that's not to say Bridgeland's not a good program. They are. They're a good program in, in the Houston area. I'm just saying it's not IMG. It's not, you know, uh, Bosco or Modern Day or any of these other programs. So there's still so much room for him to grow, and he's still filling out, guys. I mean, I saw him last summer, and I think he was about 250 at OU's camp. I saw him during the season. I thought he was more like 260. He's told me his goal as a senior is to be about 280. So, like, he is rapidly putting on weight, 
And as that happens, he's going to get bigger, stronger. And if he can keep all the movement skills, then you're talking about a guy that, you know, maybe someday reaches like the top 150 in the rankings. And by the time he's done at OU, that may look stupid. That may be really wrong because he still has so much room to grow into his game. Well, and I think with offensive line too, Josh, I mean, over the years, you know, you go into camps, you're watching these kids as sophomores go into juniors. I mean, I think back to, uh, you know, a guy like Daryl Williams when he was really young and you're like, okay, that guy mm-hmm. could be something, but you know, he's not, you know, if he, if he does this and if he does that, you could see his ceiling and obviously he played really well and, and became a, a really good college football player, got drafted. Uh, and who was the kid from Lawton High? that we're always going to see. I think he went to Nebraska. Jalen Barnett. Jalen Barnett. Like, you mm-hmm. kind of saw the same thing. Like, when he was younger, you're like, okay, this guy has potential. He is one of the top players in the state, but let's see what happens over the next two years. And it just never happened for that kid. I mean, that that happens time right. after time with the offensive line. Well, and guys, I mean, I don't think there's any position in in football that you see more. Like, you look at the, the best offensive linemen in the NFL – so many of those guys were not high-level recruits. They weren't. Some of them weren't even playing offensive line in high school. Like Jason Kelsey, like you look at him, showed up to Cincinnati as like 240 pound, you know, like guy, and they they changed him into something. They changed his body. So like you know, there is so much projection in that position because we all see these guys that are 17 years old and they're six foot five and they're 320 pounds, and some of those guys can be athletic. But a lot of times, it's the guys that need that extra time to grow into their body. Let their let it happen naturally, rather than spending a decade carrying bad weight around. Orlando um, Brown, because guys, we know guys. like Orlando. Yeah, Orlando is the exception to the rule. Usually, guys that show up like that never pan out. It's never anything. They're just overweight and they don't ever work out right. It's these athletic guys that you see become the great. You know, Lane Johnson's a perfect example. Like there are. A lot of guys like that that end up really becoming the special players because they let their body, they let it happen naturally, weren't carrying around bad weight, and they developed all those athletic traits. I think Creed Humphrey's a great example, like a guy that you thought yeah. could be something really good. I mean, he wasn't a, what was he, a three-star when he came out? Uh, but he had interest mm-hmm. from Alabama and Oklahoma. And you're like, I don't know which way this is going to go, but it could be really, really good. And now he's the best center in football. I'll, I'll pull up the uh, the tape that we got of him out at Shawnee High School when I went out there uh, his senior year. It was one of the first games of his senior year. He just made the move to center. He could not snap the football. Like, he could not get the ball off the ground. If you walked away from that, uh, and that was the only instance that you saw him that year, you would think, there's no way this, this guy's going to be able to uh, play center in college or at the highest level possible. He, he couldn't snap the ball. Now... When guys, he, when he did and, snap and the ball, though, if we remember somebody, it was a it was a much different story. <laughs> well, yeah, when he had to go up against uh, you know, Quentin Williams in the college football playoff, and he kind of held his own. You're like, oh, okay, this guy's gonna be okay. I, I one of the Eddie, like I, I would say, of all the games that he goes to, he'll call me out of about one out of ten, and it's like, and I know if he calls me, he saw something really good or something really bad, and I remember he called somebody me up really Creed, hot, and he. <laughs> <laughs> a mom. There might there might have been a mom in the crowd. Sure. Yeah, that that's that's got to be considered as well. Um, the and I remember he was like Josh. He he can't get the ball to the 
court. Like, I mean, this wasn't like a couple of snaps. This was clearly a repeated problem for Creed that night. And it's just something he grew into over time. But Creed's another good example of what we were just talking about. The first time I saw Creed, he was playing tight end at Shawnee. He was like a, a jumbo package tight end for them as like a freshman. And then over time, he just developed into this kid. And it, uh, again, one of, one of my all-time favorite stories, just watching him as he developed. I remember taking pictures with Creed where he would cheat every time I took a picture with him with other offensive linemen where he's up on his tippy toes trying to pretend to be taller because he was so worried about this image that he was a little guy. And now that's an insane thing to think about Creed. So, um, you know, it, it, like I said, just, uh, and guys for everybody, that's like, Oh, well just listen to the coaches. Oh, you was kind of lukewarm on Creed Humphrey for a while. Like that, that's kind of why he went to A&M is because, Oh, you was not pushing that hard for him. Then they, they kind of thought about things, saw how the landscape was pushed hard, you know, Bill Beatonbow reels him in and the rest is history. But you know, I don't care who you are. Like offensive line is tough to evaluate. Well, it is National Signing Day. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, biggest story to me is maybe just, like, Bussy staying with A&M. Is that, like, well, kind of top of the list? Yeah, that's what was, was going to kind of be my question, too, is as far as, you know, OU obviously didn't do anything, Josh, but was there anybody even out there that, outside of maybe the Terry Bussy, that you go, oh, you want to come to Norman? Okay, we'll make room. The... I really don't. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. If Ryan Williams had wanted sure, to, sure. to take a look at the kid that was Alabama, sure. Yeah, I mean, th there's no question. But I will say, and I think it says a lot for what OU thinks of Deion Burks, that once they landed Burks, the bussy train pretty much stopped. You didn't hear any future talk of really anything, whether it was portal or recruiting. They were kind of done and kind of set. And I, I think that's, like I said, says a lot about what they think of Burks and what he's going to bring to them next year. Yeah, and he's kind of a guy that we've not that we've ignored, but you know, when you start talking about all the guys coming back, like Burks is a guy that I, I don't think we've talked about how big of a signing he was for this recruiting class. Well, I think he's the best player in the portal class. Overall? Of all of you mean OU's portal class. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. He might I mean he I think he has a chance to be the best wide receiver in the portal class too, of all the portal class too. Like I think you could Look up next year, and he's the best receiver of all the receivers that transferred. I don't disagree. But are, are you a little? Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. Are you guys a little shocked? Isaiah Bond. People talk about him like like Texas just landed Jalen Waddle or something, and I'm like, I I don't see that. like he's a good player, but I I guess I'm a little fascinated why he is seen by so many so far ahead of of a guy like Burks. If the roles were reversed and Deion Burks was coming from Alabama and Isaiah Bond was coming from Purdue, do you think the tone would be changed? Probably. And uh, again, and Bond has that great classic moment. I mean, obviously making that huge catch against Auburn and sure. you know, that's, that's, uh, that's something that just builds your notoriety. And like, I, again, I'm not saying he's not a talented guy. He, he 100% is, um, but I mean, I think he had like 700 yards receiving last year or something for Alabama. And I know Milrose Limited. Like I'm, I feel like I'm throwing qualifiers out there. I think the guy's good. It's just, do I think there's a big gap between what Bond and Burks bring? Not really. I mean, Burton was their best receiver at Alabama. Like he was a Georgia transfer, right? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bond and Burks had almost identical numbers. Burks had 47 receptions, 629 yards, seven touchdowns. Bond had 48 receptions, 688 yards, and four touchdowns. So almost identical. Burks just had more touchdowns. Yeah, I'm trying to... I mean, because Brian Walters, their head coach, right, this last year? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. they lost, uh, what's his name, to Louisville. Um, uh, longtime quarterback. Uh, it was their coach. Oh, Brom. Oh, uh, Brom, Brom, Jeff Brom, yeah. So, I mean, maybe the system was a little different, and, you know, maybe this fits him a little bit better in Oklahoma. I mean, I, well, I, I mean, think he'll be a, more... I mean, he'll probably get more targets, I would think. Well, yeah. maybe, I don't know, because there's, the room is so much deeper, but, like... The offense itself, I think he could be more efficient than what he was at Purdue. I don't know if he'll. Put I up think the that's same the numbers. exciting thing about the spring is just seeing how you know Jackson Arnold and yeah. and Burks kind of meld together, versus a Nick Anderson and a you know I, I would assume Andrew Anthony's not going to be a go for spring practice. No, if he is, he'd be very limited. I don't even right. know if he'll be ready to go by the first game. Like I think there's, I mean. He got injured in the That's Texas game. October, months. November, yeah. December, January, February, March. Yeah, It'd be really close. There would be some setbacks probably along yeah. the way if he wasn't ready by August. Yeah, but I mean, it just everybody's different when sure. you come back from an ACL. And especially yeah, a, spe- sure. a speed guy like that, Like I think he'll be pretty cautious. I certainly haven't heard anything that there have been any setbacks here early in the no, rehab process or anything like that. But, but, but back to Eddie's question, Josh, was, was there anything that you were... You know, keeping your eye on, like, okay, if this happens, this might happen. Like, OU could jump in. Did any of that go on, or was it just I mean, nationally, it just seems like this is the biggest, not bust. I mean, I think everybody kind of knows what this is. Non-story. It just, National Signing Day, I I, I think like a lot of people, you woke up and go, oh, yeah, that's today. And then you see, you know, the Tulsas of the world signed some guys and things like that. But your Power Five, like, Big players, probably not too active right now. No, I mean, guys, I can remember a time when, you know, like signing day, I, I had to be up at like 4 a.m. and I'm going through stuff and doing all the, the, the general stuff to get ready. I slept in a little bit today. Tiffany had an errand to run, like we were getting her car fixed. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I, I can take you up there and pick up the car. Like, it's just such a different feeling. Now, I, more and more as I look at this thing, and, I, and I'm trying to work on a story of how they kind of work on the calendar a little bit, but I I think it's going to go back to this being the big day at some point. I think it has to. I think it's the only way to alleviate some of the pressure in December that has just become insane with the portal, players coming, players going, signing day, bowl games. Like, there's just too much. There's no coach that has 40 hours in his day to deal with all the different tasks that they're being asked to that are all, it's not like, okay, we're kind of in the middle here. It's all the finish line stuff. Like it's all, they're trying to close out recruiting. They're trying to close out their season. They're trying to close out, you know, who's coming, who's going from the portal. Like that's, that's impossible to do all at the same time, all simultaneously. So I, I I can't help but wonder if the next, maybe next two or three years, we'll see, that December signing day go away. Maybe they add a new one in like August for guys or something. And then they, in February is where you see the majority of signees, but I just don't see in, that's the one thing that can give in December. And it but, just makes a lot of sense to me that they move that. But with the movement over the last five years, you're almost a, it's almost abnormal for a kid 
to end up in high school during a spring with the amount of guys that are graduating early. Yep. Yeah. And, and you could, and Eddie, and that's the thing you could still, you could still do that. Like I said, you could have an August signing period for guys and guys we've talked to Carrie, you and I've talked about this for years. There's no need to sign the letter of intent yeah. has become such a overstated thing. It's not, nobody has to do that. Go to the class you're going to enroll in sure. and, or go to the school you're going to enroll in and enroll. I can just, it, yeah, it, but it we've said that for, same. we've said that for five stars. We're not saying that for the Andy Basses of the world. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, you, you have know, to have. You Andy's have to not have, bound to anything anyway. Right. And and really, nobody's bound to anything. I mean, here's the problem. Yeah, that's fair. With what's going on with the Big Ten and the SEC right now and them kind of balking on the, on the playoffs, you know that's related to just trying to figure out. I mean, and then you add the, the new television deal that's getting ready to happen. Like, nobody knows the structure of college football. The <coughs> Sorry, COVID. Uh, nobody knows the structure. Eddie just it's braced. COVID cough. Uh, Eddie winced. He did. He was like, oh, shit, what's going on over there? Uh, <clears throat> I get to just, anyway. No, but nobody knows the structure of anything. Like, employees, not employees, NIL. Uh, you know, it's, no, it's, everybody is handcuffed right now knowing how to structure this in the future. So that's why I would say everything will just stay the same for the time being with recruiting because they've said it. And until... The SEC and the Big Ten decide to just pull off and say we're starting our own deal. That's when the, to me, when the recruiting calendars change. And hell, can you imagine, like, if you have the SEC and the Big Ten pitting themselves against the Big 12 and all the other leagues, the ACC, like, trying to make sure their recruiting calendar benefits them over others? Like, if you don't, you don't have one body that's telling you when you can see kids at their school or when you can have, you know, on-campus visits, like, my God, what a world we're heading into. Those 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 conferences, though, will end up just siding with the SEC and Big Ten because they won't have a choice. Like the yep. SEC and Big Ten are, are... If they want to be in their version of a playoff or correct. whatever it's going to be. I mean, be. they are the power two they wanna, right now. Or they want to have... But those two conferences also just say, okay, this ESPN, Hulu, uh, Warner Brothers, Disney, like we're going to have all our stuff on those channels and they're going to block everybody else out. And then they're going to get all the money. It's like, it's just, there's so many possibilities of, of what's getting ready to happen. Uh, and then you add in the employee thing with, by the way, how is any, how Eddie and I were talking about this yesterday. How in the hell is anybody in the Ivy league going to make any money? How are the players going to make any money? If they're employees, like that's a failing business model. I mean, yeah, if you're in the Big Ten or the SEC, you can be an employee, make some money, some real money. There might be a little bit I mean, of money coming like, from uh, the left side of things if uh, they just start putting transgender athletes out there. God. <laughs> All right, you know what, Eddie? We need to work on your vision. The people of Harvard would love that. We need to work on your vision other than <laughs> talking about non-binary people. Uh, and you can do that really well. By going to enjoy. It's the enjoy vision, fresh perspective. It's a fresh perspective on the show now. Uh, look around, and Eddie uh, has excellent vision thanks to enjoy. Yeah, they are the best laser vision center in Oklahoma City. It's not even close. The combination of mind blowing technology, experienced eyeball surgeons, and exceptional patient care was life changing for me. What they're doing for the unofficial 40 listener is giving $400 off LASIK. If you are so interested, all you got to do is go to enjoywithme.com. That is the letter N J O Y with me.com. 
and use promo code U40 for $400 off of uh, the LASIK experience. And I can't recommend Enjoy Vision enough. This is where you LASIK. All right, but, you know, just, you know, recruiting calendar. I know, Josh, I mean, it has been just just following the coaches and what they have to, you know, the time that they have to put into this thing right now. When when they added on the 2005 high school visits, I was just like, holy shit, how are these guys going to survive? Yeah. I mean, and I will say the thing that has impressed me the most is we talked a couple weeks ago, guys, about kind of tracking where Brent Venables was. That would be a clear indicator of guys he was really focused on. I expected him to make like 15, 20 stops. I swear that guy's been at 40 or 45 high school. Like he has been a lot of places and it's been really, really impressive. Um, and again, it shouldn't surprise anybody. We all know dating back to when Brent first arrived, like he's always been a guy that knew recruiting was the lifeblood of everything. That, that's how it, that's how it worked. And they knew identifying talent and, and all these things. And I, again, I, I really like what they're doing. I like a lot of the new offers they've made. You know, Eddie and I talked about it in the recruiting report yesterday and George as well. George, sorry. I didn't mean to leave you out there, buddy. No, it's um, okay. It's your show. But, <laughs> there is um i mean since like january 15th they've made like 60 60 plus new offers and a lot of them are 2025 guys um, a lot of defensive line offers is something that i've noticed um i think they are looking because we talk about it over and over again the 2024 defensive line class is great but georgia does that every year now you got to go find the next group and you got to keep stacking and building talent and i i think with a lot of these new offers, you're seeing OU finding guys really from coast to coast. And what's interesting is a lot of these guys do have connection. Like you're seeing Oklahoma make more offers in the Carolinas. Well, we know Brent Venables, Todd Bates, they know that area from their time at Clemson. Um, and then, you know, you, you can look in various parts of the country where they've done a good job kind of utilizing connections they have and relationships to, to start to make moves with some of these guys. But, you know, uh, from the last two junior days, the feedback's been outstanding. And with, with 10 commitments already on board, uh, I think I've got three or four more predictions in um, for a few of the other guys in the class. I probably need to add one more at Tory Blaylock, the running back from Atascacita. Um, they're, they're really off to a really fast start in 2025, and they can start to get a little pickier as they head into the spring and summer. Let me switch gears a little bit. Um, well, we got you here, George. Um, anything stand out to you from a Senior Day Bowl East West Shrine game? Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, you know, we'll start with the OU guys. I mean, Tyler Guyton was phenomenal. I think he only went um, the first two days, and then I think he opted out because he was he was performing so well. There was no point in, in sticking around. And then I thought Andrew Rame had a really good week. Um, I know Eddie and I saw him have several good reps um, against Sweat from Texas. Uh, and a couple other guys. I mean, I Rame's going to get drafted, um, barring him just totally failing in the interviews at the combine, and uh, which I don't know if he's been invited to the combine. I would assume if you get a senior bowl invite, you usually get a combine invite. Um, but both those guys, I think, are going to get drafted. I think Walter Rouse is going to get drafted. I heard he had a really good week at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, Drake Stoops, I, I don't think he's going to get drafted, but somebody's going to sign him. He's going to have an opportunity to make a squad and he'll at least make a, a practice squad somewhere and, and eventually get called up. But uh, the senior bowl, man, Spencer Rattler, I mean, he won MVP and that's not just for the game. Like that's for the week. 
Um, I mean, there was a lot of people that came out of there and said he was the best quarterback there, and that's with Penix was there, Bo Nix, um, Joe Milton. I mean, all these guys. And we all know Spencer's got, got the arm. Um, it's the mental part of the game that I think we've all kind of wondered about. And he played well at South Carolina. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, I He's going to get drafted. Somebody's going to take him in like the third round and let him be a backup somewhere, um, you know, maybe like in Las Vegas or something like that. Um, I watched a lot of his interviews and I can't help but ask myself the question like, okay, has he really matured? Has he really kind of figured he's it out, a, or is he playing the part? He I, figured out how to play the part. Yeah, I think he's. I think part of it, he's matured. Um, and you guys covered him more than I did. I mean, he he was a freshman when I was a senior in college, so I missed most of his career at OU. But um, he still has that little bit of cocky shithead in him, I think. <laughs> but, I th- but it's also probably preconceived. Like yeah. we know that that's there. I if I think he's if been you just watched some of bit. his interviews that he did down in uh, Mobile. Seemed like he's a guy that maybe the lights turned on a little bit and knows that, you know, he had to do a little bit of uh, maturing when he made the move from Norman to Columbia. Yeah, I I think he's been humbled a little bit, too. Like, I think his experience at South Carolina, I mean, they didn't win a ton of football games and he he, it wasn't his fault. I mean, he played pretty well. Um, I think that that and just the experience at Oklahoma, I think, humbled him probably a little bit. So I, I, I think he still always has that little bit of cockiness, which is not a bad thing. Um, you want that in your quarterback, but uh, I do think he's he's matured and he understands that he does probably need to put on a, a little bit of a good face at these interviews and stuff like that. But that's that's really uh, I think he stood out to me. Oh, I'm sorry, George. No, go ahead. I, I was gonna say I, you can tell like it's almost like he's at war with himself sometimes, like kind of like what Kerry was talking about, where he's learned to kind of say it right. Like I know somebody early in the week asked him like. What would you tell your younger self? You know, you've been through all this, the situation at OU, you know, the high school. And he's like, you know, be humble, you know, be be more humble, which is exactly what Spencer should tell a young Spencer. Like that, that to me, I think we all agree that was one of his bigger problems is being a part of the team rather than I'm Spencer and those guys are over there. Like I, I and especially younger. Now, we, we haven't had any contact with him for a couple of years. That, that may have totally changed. But then Andy Staples kind of asked him about it. And he was like, yeah, you know, like, be humble. But I've always been pretty humble. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, and, and so you're just like, I, you were almost there, Spencer. Like, you almost had kind of won me over. And then you just went right back to, like, I, I've always kind of had that figured out. Like, no, you haven't. And that's okay. Like, you're a young guy and you got your head blown up by the TV show and everything else. Like, we get it. But it just, I, I don't know. Like, I. If if I'm a GM, I'm not comfortable. Like I, I yeah. would say it that way. And the biggest, my biggest concern with him is not just his personality, but like I don't know if he can scramble. Like you look at the most successful quarterbacks in the league. Oh, right he's now. not a mobile guy. And no, and like a- even Brock Purdy. Like watch, Bro- I mean Brock Purdy's legs were the difference in the game in, in the NFC Championship. If and- you can run away from Aiden Richardson, you can run away. Aiden Hutchinson, you can run away from almost anybody. Right, and so I, I just I think that. He it, wherever he goes, if he's going to be successful, he's going to have to have a really good offensive line that allows him to sit. Because if he if he has time back there, I have no doubt that he can he can deliver the ball down the field. I mean, we, we've seen it. He's got a special arm, but I just don't know if he's got uh, the legs to make make plays and and do some of the stuff that you see some of these guys doing. Yeah, he might be more like a 
I'm trying to think like maybe more. I'm trying to think of really good arms like Jay. I mean, I've compared him like Jay Cutler. If he's with a bad offensive line, you love his arm, but he's going to get killed. The place that you would be really interesting that I think could take him in a later round is somewhere like the Rams. And he ends up with Sean McVay. And I don't know what they're going to do with Stafford, but Stetson Bennett sounds like he's got some problems going on. You wonder, would Sean McVay take a chance on someone like Rattler to sit in the system? And I, I don't know. That's where he. That would be the best fit for him is to go somewhere where you've got this offensive-minded head coach that's willing to let you know teach him and and have him sit for a while. Uh, uh, other thing I wanted to hit on with you, George, is uh, changes in the staff. You know, administrative. Yep. Um, you hearing anything there? I mean, obviously reporting that Jay Nunez has left to go to Alabama to be their special teams coordinator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, Jay Nunez is leaving. Other than that, um, you know, they've filled a couple of the analyst roles. I think they'll fill Nunez's role as an analyst position. They don't have any more spots for a full-time assistant, I don't believe. Um, Allie was the only one, I, I think, um, that took up that, that one lone spot when Ted Roof left. And, and Nunez, I get the sense... They didn't want to lose Jay Nunez. I, I know there's some people out there like, well, Brent got rid of him. I mean, if if they wanted to get rid of Jay Nunez, I think they would have done it a month ago. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but and and also And what are you ding him for really other than Zach Schmidt? Well, punt. Punt return everything, is not good. Everything. Yeah. Look, and, and that's the thing. Think, is like, I mean, I'm like, they were how terrible. much have I forgotten since they were terrible? They were 95th, I lose my memory last week. Ninety fifth in the country in punt return average. Um other than Gavin Freeman's punt return in the the opener against Arkansas State, I I'm not sure yeah, they, they had were a punt they return were not good at punt return plus yeah. ten yards uh, the whole season. I mean they were 94th overall in special teams S and P plus, which is just very bad. Um, net okay, punting I actually it. my got, brain is working, again. but even uh, even little stuff too like outside of like missed field goals you had the penalty against uh, Texas on the reverse yeah. on the kickoff return like shit like that just can't happen. Oh, yeah. where it was a forward pass mm-hmm. yeah they were good at blocking punts or i guess peyton bowen was good at blocking punts um but yeah i mean look i i don't think this was something that ou look if OU wanted to lose jay nunez like i said i think they would have done it after the season just like ted roof um it's a tough sell to get somebody in here to come in as an analyst too i mean you're talking yeah. about a bunch of a difference in uh you know i would imagine what is a pretty sizable amount of money coming from uh, somebody oh i can be on staff as opposed to being an analyst where you're just kind of around right and i don't know who's going to coach special teams I, I think zach alley will certainly have a hand in it and i know even last year demarco murray had a hand i think in kickoff return uh, mm-hmm. obviously we all remember he was a great kick return at oklahoma um you know when he played but i think zach alley will have a hand in it he coached well, i think brent teams. having zach too will allow him to do more special teams because that's a big part of his background too correct and, and i i think that but it's interesting because it's like, and we haven't talked to Zach Alley yet, and I don't know when we will, but I want to know, like, what exactly is his role? Is he calling the defense? Because if he's calling the defense, which I don't think he will next year, but let's say he is, I don't think he can also coach special teams. That'd be a lot to throw on, you know, a 30-year-old 
um, you know, first time, you know, power def- five defensive coordinator. coordinator. Like that's that's a lot to throw at him. Now again, I, I think he'll have a hand. Maybe he coaches one of the special teams units. Um, that's usually how that kind of separates out. But I do think they want to fill the analyst role and have somebody that's the point person, like Jay Nunez was uh, for all special teams. By the way, Josh, uh, what did you gather from Zach Alley as a recruiter during this, you know, last couple of months? Um, I, I would say a lot of the things that you would expect to hear from a guy that we've heard is Brent Venables is, you know, younger self kind of thing, like very energetic, very clear in what his picture is, what he wants the defense to be, how he's going to deploy these guys. Um, and I, the thing I will say is the kids really respond to him. Like, uh, you know, we, we talked, um, a couple weeks ago, uh, about Tay Harris, you know, almost immediately once he gets his OU offer, okay, I'm coming out there for a visit on, you know, in March. And, that is something that you can tell kind of goes over with multiple guys. There's a lot of players in there that have kind of said the same thing. You know, like example that I brought up during the recruiting report was Elijah Barnes, that a linebacker from skyline that had a good relationship with Ted roof had mentioned, you know, once roof left, he really hadn't had any communication. He had expected to go to the first junior day on January 27th. Hadn't really heard anything. And as he did, um, Allie got in touch. Allie went by his school. And then the next thing you know, he's up there last weekend for a visit and really, really enjoyed himself. So I, I think they are um I, I think the early reviews are really good. It's what you expect from a young recruiter like him, out on the road a lot, very good at connecting with guys, and um I, I think just seems to build some good early comfort with some of these linebackers. And I, I think it's gonna be a good class. All right, we now bring in the uh, incomparable uh, Bob Prisbillo to uh, sit in. He's got a stupid shirt on again. Oh, he's always. On video. Polo bear. The Ralph Lauren polo bear. I'm going to outlaw that in the offices. Josh can actually see it, so <laughs> I've widened the lens. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, last night, Sooners, uh, a really big night. We haven't talked about uh, TK yet on, the, on, on this podcast. I know we talked about him a little bit yesterday on the recruiting report, but uh, quite a night last night. I know just your tweets from you and Eddie uh, seemed like it was a really heartwarming special night uh, and really did honor his memory well. The red, the red solo cups like Eddie was asking for at the concession stands. Coming to Bedlam. It, it's coming to Bedlam. The, it, every, every beverage that sold on Saturday night at the Lloyd Noble Center will Very be nice. sold in a uh, red solo cup, which That's is kind of cool. Awesome. I know that like it was probably a really tough, turnaround to get it done to last night yeah but it's going to be really cool on saturday night that will be cool and porter very emotional after the game as well that was great uh but bob just kind of your thoughts overall on the night and in in honoring toby keith last night yeah i mean you knew it was going to be very emotional and then you didn't know how ou was going to respond to that and you know as much as we love the crowds for texas and texas tech last last night's crowd wasn't the best and so you wondered where the energy would start to come to to come from and maybe around the five minute mark of the first half something woke up this team because they started playing much better start executing start shooting better like as porter would say sometimes it's just making shots sometimes you didn't really change anything except the shot went in instead of always having it be a miss like it was saturday against central florida but very emotional night you could see the fans wanted something to uh, cheer about. In the second half, the Sooners delivered just that. Um, 
outside, I mean, th- look, this has been, I don't know, difficult uh, watching this basketball team lately. Uh, you know, last night was a, a nice win, but I know it's over, you know, what was the 21st ranked team last night. But I think the thing I keep taking away from this team is, when are they going to step up and beat a really good opponent? When are they, they going to step up? They did last night. I mean, they did last night. I know, but just consistently. BYU's number seven in net rating. They're top five yeah. offensive uh, efficiency, top 25 in defensive But, efficiency. I mean, it doesn't explain UCF or it doesn't explain it's, that's, it's, the way that they play. I feel like I say this every, every week. It's college basketball. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, look at what Kansas did. They beat the shit out of Houston on Saturday. Turn around and lay the stinker in Manhattan, North Carolina. Beat the shit out of Duke on Saturday. Turn around and lost to uh, Clemson last night. Just the second time in 62 years. uh, Or 62 games, I guess I should say. What you love about this team is they respond every time their backs are against the wall. What you hate is that we keep going through this process. Like every week we feel, well, this is a must win. Ooh, this could be like a season changing type of game. If you don't get, this. it's a roller, it's a roller so coaster. It just, it just is. I mean, that's just the, the way it goes. Look at, it, look at Texas beat TCU on uh, Saturday in Fort Worth. Great win. And then just absolutely were miserable last night at the Moody yeah, Center. Yeah, the where score now, does not by reflect the way, that. They're one in four they're now. Four, four, yeah, that's, what that's four crazy. At the Moody Center. Yeah. At the Moody Center. And it's just weird how it works out. But, I mean, that's the one, the one thing you can appreciate is that OU's able to put clunkers behind them. Because I th- actually think that's one of my biggest concerns the last couple of weeks. I don't feel like this team is getting better. I feel like they're plateauing or sometimes they take a dip going down where they used to be, yet they're able to still get enough spurts here or there to still pull off these these wins. I mean, yeah, they've lost three out of five. You win Bedlam, you're three and three. Like, it's not like this massive slump. It's just this game to game. Well, are they bringing it tonight or are they going to have to grind for every single But here's inch? my problem. Here's my problem. I mean, like, they make nine three-pointers last night. They shoot really well from the free throw line for them. But, I mean... A lot of times, they're terrible from the free throw line. They can't hit any outside shot, and they almost go in a for, shell offensively. For two games, they were bad at the free throw line. They were 14th in the country, or 40th in the country in free throw percentage, which is, by all intents and purposes, pretty good outside of Tech and uh, Kansas State. Yeah, they were 18 for 22 against Central Florida. Now, they couldn't hit a three besides Darthur against sure. Central Florida. But, you, you know, it's... They couldn't hit a shot against Central Florida. What, what changed last night is... Godwin might be the worst finisher at the rim in the country. I don't care how many offensive yes, rebounds. I mean, that's such a problem for this team. It is. In, in Interior scoring, interior just offense. What I mean, look, you can get the ball back and, and get it out there and let people pass it around, but if you can't finish at the bucket, I mean, what are you even doing? That's why the second half was key for Godwin. You know, he didn't put up huge numbers, but after not scoring in, or, in Orlando... Having one free throw in the first half, for him to come away with seven points, that means you did the majority of the work in the second half. And going against Treyor, him, Hughley against Treyor, that was something to watch for all all 40 minutes. And, you know, th- those guys, they held their own in the second half. After maybe getting bullied a bit in the first half, they did much better. And, th- again, that's the type of response that we have seen from all these guys throughout the season. The I, I think what you said, Bob, uh, to just in terms of what they were able to do in the first half 
last night against BYU, that thing could have easily ballooned a, a double-digit deficit at halftime, and all of a sudden you look up and it's 34-34. to 34. John Hughley played a big role in that. Yep. Los Uzon played outstanding last night, one of his better games in conference play. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, if you're going to get 36 combined points out of Javon McCollum and Los Uzon and they don't turn the ball over, this team can probably play with just about anybody. It just... And the, the thing that we talked about this morning, too, you look up and they shoot 17 threes in the first half. And, you know, this is a day after, you know, less than 24 hours removed from Porter basically saying don't we do don't want to get into a three-point shooting contest with them. But at the same time, of the 17 threes, I bet 11 of them were really, really good looks. They like, were really good just looks. Just shoot it. And I, I thought a couple of them, too. I, I remember one in particular over on the wing up against the, uh, the opposite side of the bench. Uh, of the BYU bench, obviously, in the first half. It looked like Uzon is thinking about it too much. Instead, just catch the ball and get up with it if you're going to go with it. And, you know, I think that there was more of that in the second half. Oh, yeah. And obviously, when you shoot 60% in the second half, you're going to be able to be pretty competitive. Uh, it was a really nice win. I, I think that BYU team is extremely good. They didn't have Khalifa, which was a surprise, I think, to a lot of people because of the illness. Uh, but at the same time, now you have two top 10 uh, net rating wins. You have opportunity to get more out there. Uh, you just can't F it up on Saturday. I mean, you talk about the right. letdown. And then, exactly. That's where we can they handle the success. It's something that's been a problem. You mentioned the chances that they have, and they're at home with Kansas and Houston. They've got some major opportunities here in the next few uh, weeks, but you can't stub your toe in Bedlam where you got taken down three times last year against the Cowboys. You, I mean, we heard Los kind of close out the post game saying, I'm going to make sure everyone knows what the heck this means. Because, of course, you know, when you get all the transfers and you get the Soros, the Hughleys, the Darthers, like they've been in big games. Like they need to understand, you know, what this type of moment's going to mean to the OU, to the OU fans. They've got to take care of this. they got to do what Houston did to OSU last night, beat them up early, send send the message and say Bedlam 2024 is a heck of a lot different compared to what you've known before. And it should be. Like it should I, be. I, 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 just, I just don't trust them. I mean, that's my problem. Yeah, it's that's like, fine. Like, you, know, but, you, got, but, you beat but, Iowa State who's having a hell of a year and you beat him at home. But like after that, who did you beat that's any worth a shit? Since I mean, at, you, you lost to Cincinnati, Cincinnati, you lost to Cincinnati. Kansas, you lost to West Virginia, or you beat West Virginia, you beat Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati was, what are they now in the conference? I mean, they were almost Stop last at one Stop looking at the conference and look at the net. But then you lose at home to Texas, you lose at home to Texas Tech. You go and you All beat Kansas State, the that's great. Then they, then they lose to Oklahoma State. I mean, it's college and yes, basketball, they beat Kerry. Kansas. But I'm saying, if you look up and down this schedule, I mean, other than BYU and Iowa State, they've lost so many games that they should have been able to win. What? what home games? games. Home they've games against two. Texas Tech. Home games That's against two Texas, games. where they were lifeless, by the way, when they played Texas at home. No fight whatsoever. It was Texas. That, it was a three-point game with 10 minutes left. They still... I mean, are you going to argue that they looked good that night? No, I'm going to say, is what team do you trust in college basketball? I don't care about the other team. <laughs> I want to trust Oklahoma. <laughs> I don't, I'm not concerned about them. I'm concerned Tennessee, about Oklahoma. Auburn. Uh, it, it's just, I, I don't think that you can look at it through that lens. I mean, you're arguably one game out. I'm not looking out. through it like an NBA lens or anything. I know it's a college football lens I, I'm looking through. I do through. look at college basketball. Well, you need to look basketball. through a college basketball lens. Not I look at college lens. basketball through the net rankings oh, I'm lens. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I've hurt my reputation as a basketball analyst. I have stopped. Oh, I, think, I think the last five minutes you have. I have stopped caring about the top 25. I look at it through a net rankings yeah. lens. 
One hundred percent. And when you beat and when, and when you see where Cincinnati, Texas, Texas Tech, TCU, they're all in that thirty to. 40. But I think we're sitting here also asking ourselves like, are they going to be able to beat Oklahoma State? Are they going to show up? I'm not play well. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I think I'm they're going to. I think they're going to win, and it's going to be pretty comfortable. Now it, should it might be. be a different. It should be. It, it's a different at conversation home, in Stillwater. Still still yeah. Yes. But you but should, at home. You should be able to win comfortably. One hundred percent. When OSU doesn't have a road victory the entire season, you should be able to. But I have no faith they're going to go to Waco and win. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. <laughs> Baylor's really damn good. I know. They're 13th in the country or whatever. And I don't know what their net rating is. I'm sorry. I'm not that nerdy. <laughs> oh, I, I do think, though, that <laughs> when you look at some of these games, there is a great opportunity out there. And by the way, Oklahoma State, I, Brian Keating put it out there last night. Not only are they getting beat on the road, it's not competitive. It's not close. Exactly. It's not competitive. Five. I think five of their... Five... Big 12 losses on the road have been by 16 well, they're or more. So bad that Four of them the, have been by 20 or more. They're so bad that Kelvin Sampson knew he could get thrown out of the game up 20. 15 minutes left in the second half. Yeah. Oh. Matter. That was, that, I think that was more of a, I need to get my team's attention. That was a statement almost. Well, coming to, off uh, the loss to Kansas, I'm sure, sure. They, I'm sure he put him through bubble drills all week in practice. Which I'm, is, it, I'm sure it was not a fun week to be a part of that basketball team or the last couple days. So anyway. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I, we'll was, see. I enjoyed fighting they, with they, you over They right. have <laughs> great opportunity, though. If you can get your head back above water, get to six and five. It I hurts. hope they do. I hope they do. It hurts that you didn't win that Tech game or you weren't able to pull out the Texas game because you could arguably be six and four right now and, you know, whether people want to hear it or not, right in the thick of a conference race. Here's all, I, all I'm asking. This is all I'm asking. If you want to get people back on board, Beat Kansas at home. They can they lose yeah. on the road. Beat Kansas. Yeah, I, like I totally agree. Like circle the wagons. You know, lick your wounds after Baylor because yep. you're probably going to lose. But get your asses ready to play Kansas at home and beat the Jayhawks in Norman. I think a lot of those people though that you're trying to get their attention up will look at Kansas and go, "Well, they've lost four times on the road. This isn't a good win. You should beat them." When in reality, and I think that Kansas is probably down by Kansas measures. It would be a really good win, but they still it probably kicked the shit wouldn't. out of Houston the other day. I mean, Houston's pretty good. I mean, this is a Kansas team that just can't play on the road. And now Kansas has Baylor Saturday, so Baylor, you know, see how Baylor looks while they're feeling coming Tuesday. Sure, you get a look at. The, I mean, oh, Kansas losing to Kansas State. State. There's games. absolutely no excuse for that. That's a terrible basketball team. I mean, they are, but they aren't. But they're like, five and if five. You, if you get twenty six from Tyler Perry <laughs> and he doesn't turn the ball over, it's a pretty good team. I mean, Texas is twelfth in the Big Twelve. That sounds yeah. crazy to think. Can't, that Texas can't be one and four in uh, on the on the uh, <laughs> At home. in your yeah in your own backyard. I mean, it's just a, it's an insane. Oklahoma's not much better. It's an insane conference right now, and I think that uh, there is great opportunity up there. You know, in terms of you just need to. I, I think everybody's feel comfortable if you can get three more wins. You get to nine in conference play. You're Pro, you're in the tournament, and and that's like what nine and nine get you in. Eight and ten, depending on where the other quad one victories come, if you have any more, it could get a little bit tight on uh, 
selection Sunday. Yeah, I mean, if you're eight and ten, you're maybe looking at like a nine or ten seed. Where if you can be nine and nine or even ten and eight, now you're looking five, five or six seed, depending on what you do in Kansas City. But uh, I mean, they they're still even in my mind. Like I go with that, that plus minus. They have two home losses, two road wins. They're still doing what you need to do to be on track to get to where you want to go. It's the one thing that can make them better is just getting away playing better, being more involved, maybe even. I think it's I think it's McCollum. Yeah, I really do. I, they got to get something out of the backcourt. You saw it last night when that when things started clicking. But because he actually, it's so weird. The last two Tuesdays, he's made his living at the free throw line in the last four minutes. Yeah, to make it look like he had this monster game. Yeah, he ends up with twenty last night. And it was like where'd that come from? He had twenty one against. Kansas City. And it's just, hey, you'd love that he's draining every single free throw when they're following him. And I loved how he got separation and got open to catch the ball and get fouled and be strong with it so that he could get those free throws. But he still hasn't had that shooting performance that we saw in the first two months of the season ever since like that Iowa State game, maybe. I will say, too, that if, and, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's based on his final shot from behind the arc, but he got one to finally fall. Yes. And it was almost like he looked up to the sky and was it's like, time. thank God let's I finally go. made a basket. Let's, let's get this going. See if you can build on that on Saturday and then on into the rest of the season. Uh, and the other guy that we haven't talked about, I thought played really well last night, and he's started to play really well over the last couple of weeks. Rivaldo Suarez, I thought, was really, really good. He's given you exactly when, you, Bob, you talk about a senior, a guy that's been around the block, played big-time uh, you know, basketball at Oregon, it seems like he's starting to become a little bit maybe more comfortable. And yeah, I, I thought like the dunk last night, that was a great take on the baseline. Exactly. And that's what you needed to see because, I mean, I, it's so far removed now. But I just go back to that week at TCU in Kansas when all he did was shoot threes. And it's like, this makes no sense. That's not what you were brought here to do. Right. And we've seen the all-around game the last three, three weeks. Go Get into the basket, initiating contact, get into the foul line, making the occasional three. Getting tough rebounds in traffic time and time again and playing with that confidence. And maybe a little bit was accepting I'm not a starter. We've heard him mention it before. It's like, I came in here to start. We've heard Porter say he wanted to start, but that's not how it worked out. It doesn't matter about starting. It's about finishing. And there's several times he is among that final five in crunch time minutes because he has earned that right with the way that he's been consistent on both offense and defense. Okay. We've nerded out. We've geeked out. Josh is still somehow on the line. So congratulations. It was a little... Uh, I'd say that was our more uh, rambunctious uh, hoops breakdown so far this year. Even though I'm looking... Yeah, I hate to say it, but it sounded like you were here. moving to my side of things a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving up on OU basketball. I'm just... <laughs> I'm going to chime in and have his back there, man. Oh, he doesn't have anybody's <laughs> back. <laughs> I watched some last night. I watched about the last 10. I got the kids to sleep, watched a little BYU. And I, again, I was like, is McCollum that good? Or is he just draining free throws at a massive rate? That was, uh, that was absolutely my singular takeaway. The most unbelievable thing too, in the big 12 right now, besides Texas being one and four at the Moody center, every team that has played Cincinnati has lost their next game. Hmm. They're and nine. The team after, playing Cincinnati. That's it's, some it's really, really strange. <laughs> <In both. laughs> 
Yeah, you definitely got that at a, a trip. <laughs> no, I saw something. it on, uh, I think John Lund from SiriusXM retweeted it this morning. It's, it's just wild. It, I don't think that there's any, like, anything to it. It's just a coincidence. And there are four, four teams that get a bye week this uh, this week. So, uh, interesting to see how Saturday play, plays out. The Sooners might be the last team to get it because they get it after they play Kansas at home. Then they won't play again until the fo- the next Saturday in Stillwater, and we'll see if those legs look a little bit fresher. There's so many teams too, just in college basketball in general, that it feels like there's probably I don't know, probably four or five teams that are like in that top tier, maybe even UConn, and then everybody else in like that second tier. But everybody else in that third tier, I think anybody can beat anybody on any given night, and that includes. The St. Mary's, the Dayton's, uh, New Mexico, like the Mountain West is. They might get six teams in. Eddie's up really had, late at night, guys. You had Nevada going to uh, Utah State last night and winning. It's crazy. If the Mountain West gets six teams in. That's going to be unbelievable. It seems Colorado like the Mountain State's West really has good. been featured on bad beats a lot this year. Wyoming and. Wyoming's upset a couple people. Boise State's been fun to watch. Uh, I think it's Colorado Wyoming, State's Colorado good. State that were in like a crazy overtime bar. They were, I think, a couple weeks ago. Like they came back from like nine down with like 12 seconds yeah, to play they or were. something. they were. Crazy. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, softball media day. You've got baseball media day coming up today. So you're trying to get out of here uh, to go cover that. But uh, what'd you take from uh, Patty's uh, media day? Uh Obviously, the big news—you uh, know—a little a move of positions for uh, one of uh, OU's best players. Yeah, I mean, when we asked Patty after fall ball, who's going to be short? Who's going to be your shortstop? And she said, "Stop asking. I don't know yet." But obviously, because it was Grace Lines forever. Yeah, because some, something must have happened there in the winter. They saw enough from Tiara Jennings to know she is the one that's going to take that spot, and I think she'll handle it just—you know—just just fine. I don't. I think she'll be at a level like Grace because I don't think anyone could be at a defensive level the way that Grace was. But offensively, this train just keep just keeps on rolling. I think the thing I'm more curious about, besides watching the early weeks with the lineups, who's playing where, you know, who's going to start to push for more playing time, who's going to be more of a pinch hitter role, is just seeing that six person pitching staff because they're you, you know we thought it was a little crazy when the, when they had four. And now they have six. No playing red. No playing red shirts for any of them. And when you've got horses like Nicole May, Kelly Maxwell, you've got you know people that you really, really trust. I'm just curious to see how it all unfolds and how all six of them can get involved and keep themselves all fresh for when they make the championship run, which you know they're fully expecting to do. Uh, what was said about pitching yesterday? I mean, Kelly Maxwell, obviously the big transfer from Oklahoma State. Not one question about Kelly. It really? Was, it was kind of weird. I think it goes back. We got to talk to her during fall ball. So we mm-hmm. kind of went through that storyline, those that had attended. So I, I know we'll get back to it, but Carly Keeney is now healthy. I think that was another one of those questions we, we had to answer after she had the, the broken thumb in the very first practice back in the, in the fall. So that's another pitcher that you now throw into the mix. I feel like Nicole May will start as your ace, if that's how you want to uh, you know lay to, to term it. And then we'll see how the rest of the season goes. I don't know if there will be a true num- uh, number one. Do they have a weakness? Like it just feels like I they're they're almost they better than they were a year ago. That's what sounds nuts to say. They don't have I, a they don't have a ready uh, field yet. That's their weakness. 
I think that'll be taken care of in the next couple days. That yeah. is weird. Like for those that didn't follow, okay, they will play on schedule March first, the OU tournament. It's going to open be up at Love's Field. at Love's Field, but they won't actually get to weather should be great. Feel like it's their home field until mid because the locker rooms and like, the indoor yeah. batting cages. I mean, and they're going to just. I mean, we drive by it almost every day now and whenever we go to basketball, and it's like, how is this going to get done? How in the world? What's done looks really cool. But I was telling Carrie yesterday that on Thursday when I was driving over to talk to Porter and the basketball players, I looked over there and I was like, how the hell is this yeah, thing going to be ready? How? And then even as of uh, Monday when we went back over to talk, uh, you know, the pre-BYU stuff, I was like, oh, shit, they did a lot during the uh, the weekend. <laughs> so I think that they are like, as long as the weather's good. Oh, they're around they the clock. Yeah, yeah they, they should stuff. be able to get that thing done here, at least to have a working complex by the time March 1 rolls around. Well, and usually, I mean, I haven't looked at like their, their contract with them, but usually there are bonuses and incentives for these construction companies to hire extra crew and sure. get things done on time because they can they can lose out on some money if it's not ready when it's supposed to be done, so... And they're heading to Mexico. That starts Thursday. They'll play Washington and Duke throughout the course of this weekend. Nice early, nice early test. I, I think they'll pass it. I think we'll start talking about how long this winning this this winning streak goes. I, that's not a storyline as of this this moment, but it'll be interesting to see how long they can keep it going and how much last year's pressure might help this year's team because they went through it last year. If you can survive the 2023 season and everything that came with it, you're mentally tough enough to be able to handle 2024. All right. Uh, should be exciting going through another softball uh, season, seeing if this team has any rivals uh, along the way. I would assume, you know, a lot of the teams that were in the College World Series, uh, I mean, think didn't Arizona State lose their pitcher, or Florida State, I mean, uh, wasn't she a senior that was the... <laughs> I don't know. I know that like Florida State, Clemson, Stanford, OSU, Texas. It was kind of funny. All the teams that OU OU beat either in the Big Big 12 or the Women's College World Series, they're all ranked in the top eight. It is the same group coming for them again. Yeah, I mean, Texas and and Oklahoma State surely got to have just... And Texas this year will be in Austin. The Texas pitcher was a freshman, right? Last year? One of them, yeah. One of them was? Okay. All right, and then baseball coming up today. Um, of course, Skip Johnson will be meeting with the media. Uh, you have a lot more on that uh, coming up. We will have a hoops report coming up here. Uh, that was another... Where Kerry won't be able to interfere. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> d- d- won't get in the way of the club. <laughs> anyway. It'll be interesting to see what happens with OU Your baseball this year. Suck this week, they, by the way. I think that they have a chance to be pretty <laughs> damn good, especially if the pitching come around. Might be soonerpoop.com by the time that thing rolls around. Uh, no, I, I mean, excited to kind of hear, you know, what you're thinking of the baseball team as they go along, obviously. A lot of new arms, but some guys that are extremely, extremely talented. and Probably you know, a lot of guys that are disappointed in kind of how last year went after, you know, playing for the national championship the year before that sure. they're coming back. Sure. They got to be able to shore up some stuff. And, you know, I think that, you know, just talking to Jackson Nicholas, who I'm sure we'll be able to talk to today, uh, getting through the end of what was just a tumultuous yeah. month of, uh, you know, his final uh, or the final month of the season for him and limping into the NCAA tournament, getting in, but, you know, kind of being displeasured with how things went in Charlottesville. And uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting. 
you read some stuff like just the preseason uh, projections and all that kind of stuff. I know that D1 baseball is kind of labeled OU as if things were to get right, they have enough arms that maybe you could get back to Omaha this year. They are going to have a very, very good offense, though, with everybody that is coming back this uh, this year. All right, uh, Josh, did you uh, are the girls taken care of for a couple of years now on Disney? Yeah, it, I, I didn't realize it until this trip, but I started doing the math, and we've been going about every two and a half years to see what seems like to be the case. So I am off the hook for a while. Now, I will say I finally found a good bourbon spot in the Disney uh, complex, so had some uh, really high-end uh, bourbon for a insane price. So I, I was, I found a little joy while I was in Orlando this time. What area was it in? I'm curious because I've watched the... Uh chef reactions tour of disney and all the food and stuff i don't know if anybody watches mm-hmm. that out there the chef reactions guy when people put like a big block of velveta in a tin pan and just put oh yeah the guy with the glasses macaroni around yeah, yeah, it yeah. stuff he just cusses love that everybody guy out. Yeah. love that guy but he does, you need to go watch his disney uh his disney uh, uh review of all the places that he went and ate because he was in love with the, what's the uh the dole whip Oh yeah, he loves the dough. Oh yes. yes, people love that thing. It's way too sweet for me. I can't. I'm like ah, it's it's. it's I too can't much. finish a whole one. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. That it, it's a lot. Um, but yeah, we um, w- the cool thing we did this time is we did like um, uh, VIP thing where like there's like a Disney tour guide that takes you around and takes you to all the different spots and that kind of stuff and. You just basically walk to the front of a line and get to ride the rides, and that was kind of awesome. So I'm just uh, glaring at you the entire time, right? Yeah, yes. I'm sure there were people like, those assholes. And I want to be perfectly clear. People are like, how much are you making at Scoop? This was a <laughs> gift from the in-laws. This is something they – there's no way on God's green earth I would pay for that. But, um, but yeah, so that was uh, – that was pretty awesome. And they, like you get to go into all these like back at like basically they drive you from park to park. So you're going in all these little back gates that you didn't even know were there and you cut through a lot of the traffic and crowds. I think we rode like 13 rides that day. It, it was it's was pretty fun. It, that that was one of the better Disney moments I've experienced that just because I didn't have to be around all the damn people. Did you see Casey Anthony in Orlando? Uh Eddie your question during the board chat, as I have said, there was an NDA signed. I can't discuss all the things that happened in Florida, uh, but but we did have a good cover with our Disney trip. Not surprising. I think that's probably <laughs> the way to do it. Uh, I wonder, like, does Casey Anthony's car just float up in the Jaws thing? Like, as Jaws goes I don't by, know. Is like, there a car in, the cars in water? Them? Well, if it's a Casey Anthony ride... It, it would be right i don't know why why would it be <laughs> didn't she drive her kids into the lake or whatever no 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 no, no, no. i think of the wrong person wrong person little baby I, kaylee was found he's very of, familiar uh, with these things he really is I, I can't keep track of all the <laughs> yeah horrible I, people I, in I the never world that know, he brings like, up all the time all like right. if eddie mentions them i'm like that's an awful human being <laughs> like that's all i need to know like that's that's my much, litmus yeah. test like george zimmerman See, now everybody's racing to the Google machine. All right, uh, I think that's going to do it. I think we've we can't do any more damage than we've done. So uh, we will. I I will say before we get out of here, Mm -hmm. incredibly sad uh, about Toby Keith. I know that we really haven't like 
talked about it in full, but just seeing like the, uh, you know, basically everybody's stories and the outreach that was on social media yesterday. Just uh, amazing. And really, truly not just Oklahomans, but right. everybody as a whole, uh, the guy was beloved. And I think that very rarely in this state, particularly, do you get both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State fans kind of mourning uh, the same thing. And I thought that, you know, as sad as yesterday was, it was kind of cool to see that. And Saturday is going to be awesome. Yeah, I think so. I think so. That's going to be really cool with all the red cups and that kind of stuff. And I know there was a couple guys that had brought their own red cups to uh, uh, the Lloyd Noble last night. So it was it was definitely, definitely weird, I thought, just in terms of, uh, you know, knowing that he was normally like right there, right, right yeah, behind yeah, me, right, right behind the baseline. Yeah. So extremely sad, 62 years old, way too young. Yeah, certainly our thoughts and prayers with his family, with his close friends. I know I saw Bob Stoops retweeting a bunch of stuff today. I was glad he did it because there's yeah. a lot of cool stuff like him playing in pro-ams and stuff as a golfer. And you forget about yeah. Belmar and stuff. And oh, and I mean, I think that people don't realize, I know that Cameron Jordan highlighted it on uh, Twitter yesterday, but just in terms of what he did for the collegiate game at Belmar, hosting the yeah. women's tournament, hosting uh, you know any any time that uh, a team would come down to Norman or they're playing in a tournament in Oklahoma City or whatever, I think he was basically like, if you guys want to come out and play a practice round to stay busy at Belmar, go for it. So yeah, it, he's been a tremendous part. Of, and the the children's you know foundation yeah, that he has yeah. for yeah, Toby you know, Keith Foundation, the OK Corral with pediatric corral. cancer yeah. and that kind of stuff. So it it's extremely sad, but you know I. I mean, the best thing I, I think you can say about him is is he was, you know, he was one of us and he kept his roots here in Oklahoma. For sure. Uh, he, you know, everything that he did was, you know, around the people of Oklahoma, for the people of Oklahoma. As big as he was, he stayed in the area, uh, you know, raised a family, lived about as regular a life as you could live for somebody that was an international country music star. I kind of forgot about it. Well, two things. I, I kind of forgotten about, and I shouldn't have, but I forgot that he was like, was basically the person that organized everything over at the stadium. The tornado when they had relief. The yeah. Tornado relief. And then the other thing that I completely did not, I, I guess I, I didn't know this, or I certainly didn't remember it. I was in seventh grade. He sang the national anthem before the OU Florida State game. Yeah, they, they, I they did had, not know that. They had like all these different, like at halftime, they had like all these country groups. And like, I think like one year JoJo, I think, sang it before the USC game. And it was a fantastic. It was like the most perfect flyover. But yeah, Toby Keith saying the I national no anthem idea. in two thousand. What a night! I bet that was for him. But like the players wouldn't have known it because they'd been in the locker room sure. and stuff. So. I completely did not know that. I saw the video circulating yesterday. Uh, somebody had tweeted it out. I was like, "Holy shit!" Did you I, not like go with your dad back in two thousand to the game? Not to no. We didn't go to the national championship. Okay. I went in two thousand four, the USC game. Mm -hmm. Still in high school, the USC fans in front of us, uh, my buddy Jeff Snowden, uh, they bought us beers during the game, thought it was the coolest thing ever. Then we booed Ashley Simpson at halftime. And then I went and basically almost died on South Beach in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, wow, yeah. Uh, a lot of rough patches there after that 2000 game. All right, uh, yeah, but uh, thoughts, uh, you know, in, in our hearts, certainly with Toby Keith and his family and, and his close friends, uh, you know, reached out to many people and and you know they've reached back and uh just good to hear from them in this time so uh if you know someone that was close uh just send them a message saying hey thinking about you uh, i think that's a great way to do it so 
All right, uh, that's going to do it for this uh, week's edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast. We'll be back again next week, and we're back on track here. We're going to have a live stream Thursday night, tomorrow night. Uh, Joe C. Jr. is going to sit in for uh, Josh, uh, but uh, Eddie, George, Joe C. Jr. will do the Q&A style like we did last time, so looking forward to another one of those. But we're back at it. No more vacations, no more COVID, hopefully, uh, and uh, getting everything cranked out on a regular basis once again. So thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.